Welcome to Printing Profits. When it comes to any business, there's knowing how to sell and there's knowing what to sell. With running a print-on-demand business, the options for products in our catalog can feel endless. So with that many choices, how do you choose the right ones for you and your customers? Do you stick with what works or do you try to be different? Welcome to Printing Profits. I'm Talish Zuffer. Growing up, Heather from HeatherX Studio dreamed of designing and creating fashion. Instead, she found herself working as an MRI technologist in the medical industry. But with her hours being cut short because of the pandemic and mortgage payments piling up, she knew she needed to make a change, which is when she learned about print-on-demand. By the spring of 2021, she had over 200 listings on Etsy, and by December, $250,000 in revenue. Today, Heather coaches new business owners to learn the ropes of selling online, and she joins us now. Hi, Heather. Yeah, thanks for having me on your podcast. So let's dive right into it. I want to hear about your life and experience before you learned about print-on-demand and how you chose to come into this business. <laughs> yeah, uh, so my, I guess, career experience before I even met the world of print-on-demand I was working as a healthcare worker at a hospital. I worked as an MRI technologist. Uh, prior to that, I worked in fast food. I worked in retail. I did a little bit of everything. So I feel like I, I had a lot of experience, 10 years of working experience until I met the world of print-on-demand and Etsy. And I was cut hours at the hospital I was working at mm -hmm. during 2020. During that time, I realized I had to find a different income stream because at that exact same time that I lost my hours, I purchased a home. So I had to figure out something to supplement my income because I based my, you know, my what I needed to pay in my house every month on how much I was making at the hospital right. and that really got cut significantly. So I found a lot of YouTube videos talking about like Amazon KDP and merch by Amazon. Then I found print on demand and Etsy. And I just knew that that seemed like the right thing for me. I always wanted to start a business of my own. I just didn't have the means and the savings outside of my own emergency savings, just in case of you know, getting cut hours at a during a pandemic or something crazy like that were to happen. So I went into Etsy and Print on Demand in 2020. That year, I opened up my short store and I began selling masks and neck gaiters. Mm -hmm. Masks were out of stock over that period of time when I began of that course, I yeah. had to, yeah, I had to switch to the neck gaiters. And so once I started selling those, the processing times and production times were delayed. And it, it was just a sign to me that, Hey, maybe this isn't right for me because customers were getting items in two to four weeks. I was using a different print on demand company than Printify at the time as well. And I just knew that, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, these items aren't getting to production. They're not getting to my customers in time. And I'm going to get really low reviews on Etsy. I knew from the Etsy YouTubers that I was watching, they all stated reviews are the most important when you start out. Course, so yeah. I, yeah, 
I, I was just like, okay, I'm taking that as a sign time for me to close my shop. So I closed it in 2020 for the rest of the year. I got my hours back. I, but I do want to preface by saying I was so grateful that I still had a job. I wasn't laid off. I wasn't let go of in my job. And I got my hours back during that time that I went back to work. I was working, uh, 12 hour days. Most of the time at my hospital job, I was on call for MRI. I worked at a stroke center Mm -hmm. and I just remember, even though I got my hours back and I had a full-time job in a career that I worked so hard to get to. Of course, yeah. I, yeah, I, I found myself sad at the end of the <laughs> year. And I was like, why am I sad? Because I, I you know, I'm, I achieved so much in a short period of time in my life. And I was sad. And I think it was just trying print-on-demand and Etsy and not seeing those results I really wanted to see and I knew I could get. So in 2021, I restarted my shop. I had crickets for sales the first few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was just like, I missed my window of time for yeah. me to have any success here. I remember thinking Etsy and print on demand is so saturated. There's mm-hmm. no way I'm going to get into this anymore. I missed my window of time because when I started in 2020, I thought it was saturated then. And then in 2021, I knew a lot more Etsy and print on demand sellers were in the market. So I just thought to myself, I missed this hmm. uh, time that I could have been successful. And at the end of January, I got my first sale that was organic from someone I didn't know that liked my item enough to purchase it online. And after that, I remember the next month, I had a few sales each week. Then by March, I had hit my first 100 sales in a month. By April, I hit a few hundred sales. And then by the end of 2021, I hit 250K in revenue. Wow. Currently, I'm sitting at 450K in revenue in my past two years Goodness. since starting. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of cool where life has kind of taken me and <laughs> I think cool is an understatement. I <laughs> yeah. think that is a, you can feel safe to say that's a massive success. You know, I'm listening to your story right now. And I think like of all the stuff that you've done, um, becoming an MRI technologist and then, you know, finding a solution to even just stay on top of your bills. This, these, these are not easy things to do, especially in a pandemic. And what I love about what you said was this idea that, you know, like you, you achieved so much, um, do you think of yourself as, as, as an overachiever? Like, do you think it's necessary to sort of be a disciplined person and, and want to keep pushing that boundary to be successful in something like print on demand? I do. I believe that there is, I, I have always been somewhat of an overachiever mm. and I think it's just going back always to why I started, why I worked really hard at my career paths. I, I've always had family surrounding me who has been struggling with financial issues and getting through debt. And from those influences in my life, I always knew that I wanted to, first of all, help them out of it. And then also make sure that myself, my future family is out of that financial issue area. So I think that's always been my biggest motivator and what's kind of pushed me through even when it's tough, uh, even, you know, working in fast food, I worked as hard as I could just making little burgers at a fast food (laughs) restaurant (laughs) and then come to, you know, retail. I was just always 
trying to get really great reviews in customer service. I worked as a customer service representative. I've, I've had the craziest uh, experiences in all of those jobs, but I really believe that those shaped me to mm -hmm. have that discipline and just keep performing at 100% as, as often as I can, not yeah. to say I'm always 100%, but <laughs> I, I try my hardest in everything that I've done so far. So, yeah. Well, you know, when we talk to people about POD and you know, the, the first thing that comes into the first question that usually comes to mind is about, is about time. How much time is it going to take for me to be successful? And the thing that, you know, we always say here at Printify is that like, you know, print on demand is kind of, uh, you know, you can kind of, kind of consider it like running, you know, you could be, you could be a jogger that goes for a run every day. You could be somebody that runs track. You could be an Olympic level athlete, right? There's so many places in between. You could be running, I don't know, a 5k or, or a full marathon. And what really pays back is how much time and effort that you, that you put into it. And when I look at you and hear your story, I mean, 250, like 250K, you know, like 400, even now, that just sounds crazy to me. Do you, like, you said that it's, it's about intensity, it's about being an overachiever. What are some other skills that you think are necessary to be as, for someone to be as successful as you are? Because, you know, this, this story is not something that we hear every day. Yeah, I think that the skills that I've learned, I guess, is just building habits and doing that 1% every day. I mm -hmm. think that's been the one thing that's really changed my life over the course of the past 10 years of starting in fast food, going to retail, then going to working at a hospital and getting into, you know, medical school programs mm -hmm. that only accepted 25 people per class and yeah. all that. And it's, it's just doing that 1% every day and acting like the person that you want to become. And yeah. I know that's very vague as far as a skill to build, but mm -hmm. just researching every day. I remember I would watch a YouTube video or a few YouTube videos every day. I would read books, uh, even the stack of books behind me. I know we're on a podcast, but there is a stack of books <laughs> behind me. It's a very large <laughs> stack of books. There's some very thick books there that I'm feeling yeah. very intimidated by. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I always read, I always learn every day in mm. some capacity. Even now, I still learn every day when people ask me questions. It gives it, it gets me excited because I'm like, okay, I can go online and learn something new mm -hmm. that maybe I didn't know before that a student or client or friend is asking me. So I think just learning every day is a, a good skill to have yeah. in just entrepreneurship in general. So I love that. One of the things I loved about what you said, just said, I mean, obviously the learning thing, which is so important, but acting like the person that you want to become, you know, that is interesting. Like you got to already kind of put in the effort to just be the person that you want to be. Um, what was it that made you choose print on demand over like the other side hustles that you were looking into? I was looking into drop shipping, print on demand and Amazon or Merch by Amazon. I know that they were Amazon Merch or Merch yeah. by Amazon. I'm still not clear on that, but because I know they had that change in names recently. But outside of that, I the reason why I went into print on demand, I looked into drop shipping mm. and I heavily researched it. I heavily studied it and I realized it just wasn't for me just due to the shipping times. It seemed like it was really long shipping times. I know there's you know, domestic based drop shipper companies now, but 
that element of it where the shipping seemed a little bit sketchy to me. I, yeah. I just kind of dropped out of that. And with print on demand, it just made the most sense to me because I always wanted to have my own type of clothing business or apparel business. And I found that through just creating my own designs and having the ability to really be creative with print on demand that drop shipping doesn't really allow since mm. drop shipping a lot of the times you can customize things from what I was researching, but it wasn't to the extent of print on demand and being able to offer personalization or customization to customers and also just be the designer behind the screen with print on demand. I just really love that element. And I think it, that's why I ultimately chose it. And also the shipping times, finding you know a great company like Printify that has incredible customer service, incredible support if you're a new seller and a new entrepreneur. So I think that was the one thing that convinced me that, hey, this seems right for me. So yeah, I love that. I mean, you know, it's it's interesting. Like, how long would you say it took for you? I mean, you said like, like, how long did it take for you to get your first organic sale again? It took three weeks, three, three to four weeks. weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So leading up to those three weeks, was there a lot of trial and error there? Like, what were you doing in that first three weeks to your to get that first sale? And how did you keep your head in the game? For the first three weeks, I just uploaded every single week. I uploaded about 20-ish listings every single week. Wow. I was trying all of these different niches. Like you said, it was very much trial and error. Mm -hmm. My first few weeks, my first few months, even, even after I got that first sale, I didn't get a sale on the initial item that I sold after that first organic sale. So mm. that was really strange to me and really confusing as a new seller because I looked at the sale. It was a Valentine's Day uh, coffee lovers t-shirt I sold. And it, it was during January that I sold it. So when February came, I didn't sell any more Valentine's Day t-shirts. Yeah. As a new seller, I was very confused <laughs> and I was like, where do I go from here? Because I sold a seasonal item and now it's over that time. But it was just trial and error, branching out to new niches and really researching and seeing what sells for other shops, what is really trending in other shops. Even when I was on Facebook, just on my own social media account, I would scroll down the Facebook feed and I would get ads for Shopify print on demand stores yeah. and I would click into them just to research what they were selling wow. and what they were putting ads on the most because that gave me a good indicator that hey this business is really must be profitable if they're running a lot of ads on this item so mm. I think just trial and error over time and branching out into things that you wouldn't necessarily think to go into yeah. is what I learned. You mentioned, I mean, the thing that I like about what you said was you, you had an idea and then you decided that you wanted to try out different niches. When you first started, did you have any expectations of the kinds of products that you wanted to sell? I mean, I know that you said that you wanted to have t-shirts and that was the thing that you wanted to design fashion, but as that changed and as you decided to, to try out these different niches before you got that first organic sale, what were your expectations about the kind of products that you wanted to sell? I initially went into it that I was thinking, okay, I'll just sell t-shirts. And I realized over time that 
t-shirts weren't, they were still selling really well on Etsy and they still are to this day. But Mm -hmm. I noticed that other stores that were really jumping in sales were the ones that were selling different products and they were breaking through these really saturated niches. So I initially thought I would sell t-shirts primarily Then I found shops that were competing with my shop that were selling sweatshirts and tank tops and just different products. Uh, I even found stores selling, you know, print on demand candles Hmm. and other things like that, that it opened my eyes up to, wow, if I sold a different product in these niches that are high demand and, you know, it, it really lowers my competition by just adding in those different products. So I started selling the Gildan 18,000 crew neck mm-hmm. sweatshirt. I started selling hoodies, tank tops, and that's where my store really grew and scaled was from me selling those different product types that people were looking for that they couldn't find anywhere else. I really was able to scale out my business. And I think that's what really skyrocketed my sales in 2021. So. When you think about the the designs that you were selling, the niches that you were selling versus the products, what do you think worked for your customer more? I mean, I know it's a combination of the two, really, but I mean, how, how did you figure out that combination and what worked for your customers? Yeah, I think that I found those niches that were high demand and I brought a different design style to those very high demand niches. Interesting. And then on top of that, I was using different product types. I kind of brought in a new design trend to Etsy and I, I won't, I'll keep it mysterious, no, but course, there yeah. wasn't. <laughs> we don't want I, you giving away the secret yeah. sauce here. No, yeah. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess I could give away that, you know, at the beginning of my business, I was really designing for the retro trend that wasn't fully on Etsy yet at the time. And I started some different trends with the retro types of design templates that eventually I scaled out. Then I noticed a lot of other businesses doing similar designs to me. Hmm. But it was really cool to be one of the forerunners of that design trend. So I think that's something that I learned over time is just taking new designs and to different product types and just being different than the rest, but not completely different that the customer base and you know, the target audience that I'm looking to sell to does not like my products at all. So that's, that's kind of my secret sauce that I found is just being different through the products and the designs and taking that design that one niche likes and scaling it out to multiple other niches. Interesting. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, I think that that's fascinating in and of itself where you, 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 you have your general store and somehow you, I mean, not somehow, it took a lot of work, but you managed to have, you know, best-selling designs in a bunch of popular niches. And you're working in niches that are, as you said, oversaturated. I mean, I know that you said that you kind of tinkered with it and you you adjusted your designs ever so slightly, but was that tough to sort of find a way to stand out from the competition? It definitely was. It was difficult because I was comparing my shop to other shops the whole way through and I wasn't getting sales. And then I joined some Facebook groups where it it was just a print on demand communities that posted tips, tricks, and just their results 
their own, you know, shops over time and how they got X, Y, and Z sales. And I remember I started at the same time as a lot of other people Mm -hmm. and those people were getting, you know, like 50 sales in their first month. And I was sitting there like, what am I doing that's different than these other people, (laughs) you know, and it come to find out it, it, it was really, I was designing for a mysterious customer that I couldn't even like I had no customer avatar when I was designing. I had no idea what my customer or target audience even looked like right. that that was my problem for a while. And then I slowly got into it. And um, but yeah, that that was a learning curve was to not compare myself to others, because I think that's quite easy to do as a new Etsy seller. It's easy to say, oh, this person got their first sale on their first week. I will never be there ever. And I like to remind people, especially to anyone listening, is it it doesn't matter about who it got to the first sale first. It really just matters about, you know, like what we were talking about earlier, you're training for a marathon, you're not training for a quick sprint. So yeah, I like this idea about you know, having a customer avatar. Cause that's one of the first things I learned about in this business was, you know, you got to have an idea of who your customer is in mind. You got to build that profile. And it sounds sort of like, sometimes it can feel like it sounds like marketing mumbo jumbo, but it is actually true because you are trying to market to these people. What, what was it? Is it, is it weird when you were trying to figure out who your customer was or did you feel like you already had an idea or did that take some research too to find out who do I want to sell to? I definitely, it it took a while for me to figure that out because at first I was just designing for quotes I liked. Mm -hmm. And I guess I was basing my imaginary customer that I made up was someone who liked positivity quote t-shirts. And I made all of these random quotes on t-shirts. I posted them and I didn't see any results. And I remember just looking at my items and I was like, these are great items. Why is no one buying? But I was only catering to myself and maybe what I would wear. And I had to get out of that zone of only designing for myself. And I needed to put myself in my customer's shoes and finding the different niches there were across Etsy, seeing what those customer avatars really liked over Mm -hmm. time and what they wanted on t-shirts, not what I wanted on a t-shirt. So it it did take me a little bit to figure that out, but I eventually really got down to imagining myself as those customers and then creating and designing for them. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said earlier about listings, about when you first started, you know, you you gave yourself, I don't know if you gave yourself a goal, but you did have a certain amount of listings that you were making weekly. Um, Why was it important for you to sort of keep listing or were you publishing products daily? Was that sort of part of your routine? Why was that important for you? I publish daily and I, uh, for me, again, through the YouTube videos I watched and the way the Etsy algorithm worked, I knew that posting a lot as a new store would get me more visibility on Etsy. Of course, yeah. And if I had a few items that really took off or a few listings that took off on Etsy, then I could it almost like 
I like to compare it almost to investing that you want to diversify your portfolio and right. diversify your store. Oops, sorry, I tapped the mic. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I think that's where I was at, where if I diversified my store and my listings in my store by uploading high quantity of listings with still having relatively really great quality, I don't want to say quantity over quality, sure. but for me, I just wanted to diversify all of my items in multiple niches. So if one part of the year, one niche doesn't sell, another niche will carry me through, let's say the summer or the yeah. winter time. Yeah. I think that's, I just learned about that recently, that that Etsy boost that you get. Whenever you publish something, Etsy will give you like a momentary boost. And that's why it's so great to keep publishing stuff, you know, and, and as you said, like take it with a grain of salt. You don't want to be over publishing, but um, I mean... <sighs> What what I, I recently learned this thing about the way that we you know a lot of people who who start their niche stores or general stores on Etsy will will like you say will try to create the products for themselves they'll put them out there and then they will be surprised that they don't find any success and then um, especially with general stores there's this idea it's like well people don't go on Etsy to buy stuff like that like think about yourself if you go on Etsy you're not you know you go to the search bar that's where the shopping happens right and as long as you can stay relevant to the searches in that search bar make sure that you're showing up it's really sort of where you can sort of catch your customer's eye did you did you find that or did you find that when you were working on your store that you really focused on the marketing to make sure the customer knew about your shop in general like what was more important to you that they knew your store or that they knew your items for me, I always focused on people knowing my items mm -hmm. and being able to find me through SEO and just organic searching methods and traffic methods. That was my primary focus, but yeah. I did eventually go to social media. I did Facebook groups. I did Instagram and I posted on Instagram. I grew my following to over 1000 followers on wow. my business account within, I want to say it was like a six month time frame. So I eventually really boosted my store through that. But mm. my main source of traffic and conversions was always through just organic Etsy searches, the related listing section on Etsy, the homepage. So yeah. With that many products going up, did you ever find it? I mean, I know that you just said that, you know, you grew your followers, you, you, you invested a lot into your SEO, but over time with that much work that you've put into your store and that many products and listings going up, have you ever found it difficult to sort of keep your products relevant? I mean, I'm sure like trends and niches, like they change over time. Has that been ever been an issue for you or not really? Yes, I would say <laughs> that every, it, there's definitely seasons of time where one trend is really doing well and then an, another trend kind of takes over that one trend that was doing well in the previous years. So that is definitely something that is happening as far as last year and into this year. I would say that the items that I posted that were had bestseller badges two years ago have either went down in daily orders or sales just because new trends are coming out. But also there is the problem on Etsy of a lot of copycat yeah. stores that have kind of clung on to a lot of my bestseller designs to the extent of I had so many people copy me that I can't really do anything yeah. at that point when the design that I initially really sold got saturated in all the niches that I currently am in. 
So that's something to note as well that does happen over time that you do have to keep creating new trends so you could be different than the rest and hopefully scale again and get new bestsellers. How do you deal with copycats? So I generally message them. Really? You reach out (laughs) to them? Yes. So sometimes I give them a message that just states, hey, uh, you know, this is my personal IP that Mm -hmm. I created this design first. And I do see that, you know, your mock-ups are the same. The SEO is the exact same. The design is the exact same. And uh, I just want to ask you kindly to take down your listing. Um, I actually messaged a prior client and student of mine because they did that to my business. Yeah, but it was it was all okay. It was funny because they responded to me and they said, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I definitely took your advice incorrectly Mm. in copying your whole listing rather than creating something that's my own. And I was like, it's okay." I was like, "It, it happens. And it is unfortunately a new thing or a new seller type of thing that just happens. Mm-hmm. I remember when I began on Etsy, I was creating designs that was were very, very similar to other people. And I had someone message me and give me the courtesy to say, hey, your wow. item is really too close for comfort to my design. And I took that listing down and I was thankful that they messaged me instead of just flagging me. And then Etsy gives me a strike against my account. Yeah. So that's why I try to message people first. But if they don't respond, then I send, you know, uh, I put in the DMCA claim to Etsy. So, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> that's nice that you give them the courtesy. I was gonna, actually my next question was like, do they ever message you back? So, but there is a, you know, there is a an option for what to do if they don't, I guess, which is to make the claim. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the option that you can do. And it, you know, if someone ever files a claim, because uh, I had this happen once where someone filed a claim, they copied my listing and then they filed a claim on my store stating that my listing was the one copying them, even though I was the initial person who created the listing. Wow. Yeah. So I had to do a DMC counterclaim or a DMCA counterclaim where I messaged Etsy and I said, hey, this person stole my design. They put it on their shop. And now I'm being flagged for my own IP. This is my IP. And it was a whole thing. But that store ended up getting shut down because Etsy looked at our listings and they saw, oh, hey, uh, she was the initial person. And also they found that they had other flags on their account. So was your was your store like ever shut down during that whole period or no? Like, were you still able to sell? It was not shut down. I was still able to sell just that listing that was doing real well, got taken down for a week. So I just lost some sales. But at the end of the day, that's just something that's, I wouldn't say very common with Mm -hmm. Etsy and print on demand, but that was just something that happened to me that I never thought would happen. (laughs) So just a part of, you know, being on Etsy, sometimes you just have to make sure that you're fighting and, or, or at least fighting the incorrect statements or DMCA claims as well. There's, there's two ways uh, or two issues you can come across people stealing your designs and then people claiming that you stole their designs. Sure, yeah. So what do you, what, what advice would you give to people when, cause you know, this is the, 
an issue that we hear all the time from Etsy sellers where it's like they have a problem with Etsy, but they're trying to reach out for support. And sometimes they get through, sometimes it takes time. You know, you've seemed like you've been around the block with this. Is there some advice you'd give to people when it comes to, you know, making those claims with Etsy? My best advice is to be as patient as you can. <laughs> I my my shop was shut down um, when I first initially opened it in 2020. Yeah, it was shut down for about two weeks wow. after my first week opening it. I uploaded a lot of listings, and my mom she had her own Etsy account, just her personal Etsy account, and I shared my store with her. And she went to my store, she favorited one of my items, and then Etsy shut me down because they said it was inauthentic what? traffic to my shop. And because my mom, she lived with me too. So that was why, since we were under the same IP address, oh, Etsy I see. Thought, yes. yeah, they thought she was just a fake account and that I liked my own item and that I was causing inauthentic traffic wow. to my account. So I had to explain that to them when they messaged me or they emailed me a few days later, which yeah. they didn't email me immediately. So I had to be patient and waiting for the initial email. Then I emailed them back, explained the situation that my mom lived with me and that I, she would not favorite my store or any items again. <laughs> 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 yeah. But they, they reopened my account after two weeks. Yeah. It, they didn't email me though, when mm. they reopened it. And I know they're still, pretty much doing that because I've had a few previous students and clients email me throughout the years with similar scenarios and Etsy will reopen your shop. They usually don't email you when it is reopened though, for mm. anyone listening who's going through that right now. <laughs> <laughs> so just keep checking your account and one day you'll be able to randomly log in and <laughs> be able to sell again. So <laughs> yeah, just keep the hope. Yeah. Keep the faith. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about some of your products. You know, like I know that you said that you created this avatar, you design with the customer in mind. Have you ever had a situation where you had a bestseller and maybe that bestseller was your favorite product or maybe you had a favorite product that wasn't a bestseller? Um, or is it usually that sometimes they're the same? Like usually when you really like something, the audience really likes something too. So the exact opposite of that scenario has happened where... <laughs> I've uploaded designs. My first design that became a bestseller was my ugliest design I have ever created wow. <laughs> in my <laughs> in my history. And at least to me, I was I uploaded it, and I remember, man, I I'm just going to keep it in my drafts of designs. I don't think anyone's going to buy this. Yeah. So I uploaded it, and within the first week, I got one sale. And I remember I looked at my Etsy account and thought, what's happening? Why did I get a sale on this? Yeah. And another sale came in and another sale. And then I got multiple daily sales mm. on this design that was just on a Bella and Canvas t-shirt. I remember looking at my phone in such confusion. And then the next month I had the bestseller badge on this one listing that I wasn't going to upload. I took that design, I scaled it out because since so many people liked that one design, I... I was like, well, if it's selling, I might as well profit more off of it. Yeah. And so I scaled that to multiple niches. That was one of my first designs that really scaled my business. Um, when, I, when I'm talking about it now, I'm like, wow, that was the one design that really <laughs> scaled my business initially when I started in 2021. And it came from March to April 
that's when I scaled out that design to all of these different niches. I saw so many sales within a short period of time. I had other bestsellers with that same design template, just different phrases plugged in. And my store just grew exponentially. Hmm. So, it, you know, again, for anyone listening, even if you have designs in your draft folder, it can't hurt to post them. Yeah. I mean, it, it's 20 cents per listing on Etsy, but you will be surprised what sells. It was so magical and a great time in my life that <laughs> a design I hated really soared. <laughs> so. I love that so much. Um, one of the things that we've seen new um, online store owners struggle with is the way that they price their products. You know, like the idea is how can I stay competitive while also earning enough to make this whole deal worth the time and the effort? Um, how, what advice do you give people like that who are struggling with that? So I think it is a mindset. It's, it's two parts. The first part is mindset and just, uh, accepting that you won't really have profit in the beginning. Even if you price correctly, you're still going to be out on how many listing fees you will incur when you first begin. For me, what we were talking about earlier about how I uploaded so many listings when I began, I uploaded about 100 within my first two months mm -hmm. and 20 cents per listing. That was about $20. Yeah. I was already out in the business. And then I also purchased a lot of mock-ups and that cost me, you know, at 20 to $50 over the course of two months, I would honestly go and say that I spent well over that, <laughs> because I kept reinvesting every time I got a sale. So it, I think mindset is the biggest thing to start off with is just it, know that it is an investment of time and money when you begin. Right. And then over time, as you get more sales, then you will see that profit come through but getting that initial traction, spending and investing. And I like to compare print on demand to brick and mortar businesses mm -hmm. because with print on demand, it's low investment, low startup costs. It, you know, even starting off with at least $100 in your business, I think that's a realistic investment, e even $50 mm -hmm. as the lowest investment compared to a brick and mortar business that you're paying for monthly rent and bills and employees, and that's thousands of dollars yeah. a month. So that's one thing to keep in mind. But the second thing, as far as pricing goes, is finding companies, especially for print-on-demand, that are going to give you high profit margins over time. And I always go back to Printify because I've worked with multiple different print-on-demand companies, and I wasn't really seeing that profit margin that... I heard other stores were getting and I found that I was really losing it out on a lot of profit from using a different print on demand company for mm -hmm. a while until I switched all of my listings over to Printify because I noticed that with Printify, I was getting a lot more profit. Hmm. It was a difference of, you know, 20% more profit in my business by just switching over to Printify. So just finding that company that you can really trust and um, just pricing so you are competitive but still getting a, a nice profit margin. I would say at least $5 at the very minimum, but that's including if we're talking about having a sale on your Etsy shop 
and the Etsy fees, transaction, processing, listing fees. Generally, if I'm like pricing a Bell on Canvas 3001, for example, I will put in on Printify's backend for $10 of profit. Sorry, excuse me. <coughs> I've been fighting back a cough in my throat for a long time. I apologize. Please continue. <laughs> no, you're completely fine. <laughs> uh, but uh, as far as pro- profit, I try to keep it at $10 of profit margin or just profit from the production fee because I have a 15% off sale running most of the time in my Etsy business with the listing fees, processing fees, I generally come out with $7 of profit. Mm. But if I'm running Etsy ads or let's say offsite ads makes the sale, I'm going to come home or come to about $5 of profit after all the fees incurred. Yeah. So, yeah. You talked about, you know, what you just said was when you start out, regardless of whether or not you're pricing, there is that, you know, investment period, that waiting period for things to sort of pick up. And eventually that money will, 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 will start, you'll, you'll start to see the, the pay through the payout come through. How did you get over that? I mean, cause when you started, you said that like, you know, you were having your hours cut back, you had mortgage payments you had to make. Um, how did you get over that period of, of waiting for all this investment to pay off? I mean, how did you keep yourself sane? It was a moment when I went to Chipotle and <laughs> I, okay, this I, is good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I looked at how much I was spending on a bowl at Chipotle, mm-hmm. and I absolutely love Chipotle. It was a common thing that I would get, or even a Starbucks coffee. I yeah. would spend, you know, five dollars for Starbucks, and I remember. When anytime I went to any type of fast food or to get coffee during the time when I started my Etsy and print on demand business and I got cut hours from my job, which, mm-hmm. it, you know, telling the story, I probably shouldn't have been buying Chipotle. I probably shouldn't <laughs> have been getting Starbucks, yeah. but I was. Of course. During that time, I looked at all of my expenses and I thought to myself, if I cut back on one coffee per week, that, it, you know, or one Chipotle visit and one coffee per week that I was doing, then that would be $10 per week that I could reinvest or uh, gosh, probably closer to $15. I could reinvest into my print on demand and Etsy business. Mm, So if I'm willing to spend five to $10 every time I go to get coffee or lunch, then why am I not spending that and reinvesting in my own self? So that was the moment where I was just like, I need to do this. I need to reinvest in my business. And even thinking about a gym membership, all these fees just opened my eyes to all the other things I was investing in, but not in myself and my Mm. business. So that's where I drew the line. And I said, hey, if I want to take this seriously, if I really want that additional income stream, I need to cut back on these expenses mm-hmm. so I can reinvest in something that's much more profitable long term. Well, before I let you go, now that I've got you all nostalgic, uh, yeah. just to finish off, um, <laughs> looking back, is there anything you wish you'd done differently when you started creating and selling those first few products, even just opening up your store that you think could be very valuable to somebody listening to this right now? Um, who's on the cusp of starting and don't know whether or not this is for them and whether or not they should, what they should be doing to make it work long-term for them. What would you say? I would say to, first of all, keep in it 
and stay consistent. I think that, you know, if I were to restart, I wouldn't have closed my shop in 2020. I would have kept going. And I honestly think I, I probably would have, you know, doubled the revenue that I already made that, you know, 450 K is great. But I, if I had started earlier, I would have seen such a spike in my orders if I just stuck in it and kept going and grew my store in 2020. But I left that store and I think staying consistent and knowing this is a long-term business, this is not a short-term type of thing. I mean, if if you really treat this business as a long-term you know, investment over time, you're going to see long-term results. But if you treat it as a short-term quick fix, it's only going to be that short-term quick fix. So that's one thing I recommend. And the second thing that I would probably do differently if I were to restart in 2023 is, you know, really researching the niches and where the high demand listings lie and high demand product types are right now and taking something different to those niches and product types, even doing personalization or customization. I think that's a huge place to go into right now for 2023. It's, you know, personalization and customization just dominates Etsy year after year. So I would highly recommend going into those areas So I guess those are the things I would do differently if I were to restart my journey. Well, Heather, I'm sorry to hear that you closed your shop, but I'm glad to hear that you reopened it because we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So thank you so much for chatting with us today. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This is Printing Profits. Hey, this is Printing Success, crisp tips by Sarah from Wholesale Ted. One tip that I have that really surprises people is that you shouldn't add in too many color options for the shirts that you sell. And the reason why it surprises people is because on the surface, it seems like the more color options you give the customer, the greater the chances that they're gonna find the perfect color for them, right? But it actually has the opposite effect. Marketing psychology studies show that when customers are presented with lots of different options, that they become overwhelmed and start to worry that they're gonna choose the wrong one and regret it. And so what the studies instead show is that customers want meaningful options. And so if you give the customer five different shades of gray, it's going to overwhelm them and they're gonna worry about choosing the wrong shade of gray and regretting their choice later. Whereas if you were to offer instead a t-shirt and a white and black option, That is a meaningful choice because both colors are drastically different. And so that is why I usually recommend sticking to at most five colors or if you really want to increase it up to 10 meaningful colors. This is Printing Profits. Want more sales? Well, you'll need to know what's on trend, which is why we created this segment. This, people, is trend spotting. Okay, so this episode is about finding what to sell, that next bestseller. But what about the timeless trendsetters? See what we did there? We made a piece about the trends, about the classics. But you know what? Trends can last years. And our data at Printify tells us that there are just some products that won't go out of fashion. We crunched the data on our top merchants on our platform and found that many of our top, top performers are selling the same thing. 
So what do we see selling well again and again? Here's our countdown. In at 10 is the ceramic mug. Yes, coffee, tea, hot chocolate. People still drink them, and they still want a custom mug to drink them from. Next up is a surprise entry in our countdown for ceramic ornaments. Yes, knickknacks means sale stacks. One place higher at 8 are our super smooth kiss cut stickers, which is my favorite cut of sticker. Just like salad chicken wraps make your stomach happy, canvas gallery wraps make your wallet happy as they take their place at number 7 on our countdown. At number six, well, what's better than a poster on your wall? Well, five other products, but a nice matte vertical poster is a consistent and popular seller. And as we break into the top five, that's right, folks, we've reached the apparel zone. It's all t-shirts and sweats from here, people. At five, it's the unisex soft style t-shirt, a staple of many a t-shirt drawer. What's the fourth most popular item with our top, top, top seller? Yep, it's a hoodie. No surprise there just hooded comfort and great sales. Smashing into the top three is the crew neck sweatshirt. Are you surprised to find it above the hoodie? Totally understand. It's because you aren't down with the hood, is it? Whichever it is, both of these items are big sellers with our biggest sellers. The silver medal position goes to the ever popular total classic and thing I'm wearing now. No, it's not fresh underwear. It's the short sleeve jersey tee. Wait, the unisex jersey short sleeve tee is at number two? Well, that can mean only one thing. That's right, at number one, the most popular item for the biggest sellers in the business is the unisex heavy cotton tee. Yeah, three of the top five are t-shirts. No real surprise there, but our big takeaway is that apart from t-shirts, there's actually a lot of variety in our top 10, meaning there should be a lot of variety in your store also. Thanks for listening to Printing Profits. We'd like to thank Heather for sharing her experience with us and at the same time introduce you to the talented team behind this program. Executive producer, Laura Gelvite. Associate producer, Anita Njoki. Technical and video production, Emil Yassens and Valerie Solechno. Sound production, Christers Hartmanis. And I'm Tyler Zuffer. See you next time.